Welcome back to Straight to DVD. Raphael, welcome back once again. Thank you, sir. Here we How are. We doing? Again, talking about... Actually, it's funny, but before we even get started, I'm surprised we haven't discussed this movie yet. On this podcast or this podcast, like yeah. in real life? Well, have, have we, we discussed, discussed it in real life? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Are we friends in real life? I think, well, these days, who can say? Uh, <laughs> the um, I think we've only ever discussed this film in like one sentence anecdotes to one another without ever really getting into it. Yeah. So this should be an interesting discussion, mostly because I think you sort of lean one way and I sort of lean the other. Yeah. I think this came up, though, as a topic, like many topics, just based on a on a text thread. Yes, it did. And right? You, you were you posed the question, what's the best comic book movie of all time? And yes. someone responded, Logan might be up there. Yes, um that's true. And then from there, we were like, that would be an interesting topic. Yeah. But it's funny because it's like we've discussed like we, you know, you can't get away from superhero comic book movies these days. You just can't. No. Um, and it's just interesting that we've never discussed this one because regardless, I think, of whether anyone likes it or not, there's not really anything like it. It's fairly unique, I think. Exactly. Within the genre, it occupies a unique space. Yes, we can definitely. Say. And, you know, it's one thing to be like, you know, someone can say like, oh, what makes it unique? It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's rated R, it's mature. And then someone can be like, oh, well, Deadpool's rated R and mature. Like, Kick-Ass's R and mature. It's like, yes, but those aren't really interested in being, like, grounded. And, no. You know, yeah. Yeah, those are, those are like, violent and... Not even mature. They're kind of just like goofy violent. Right. They, they Where this use, is like a serious violence. Exactly. Those those kinds of films uh, use their rating as a gimmick for like shock violence or, you know, shock humor. And it's just like, hey, remember, we're rated R. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, something like Logan, it feels like it's rated R because whether I'm not going to, you know, we won't jump ahead, but whether James mm-hmm. Mangold succeeds at it or not, it's rated R as a result of the attempted authenticity of the character and the story he's attempting to tell. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rated R because you can't tell the story that this movie wants to tell without it being rated R. Precisely. Which is, well, I'll, I'll say it off, off the jump or off the bat from the jump. It's, it's an admirable, that's an admirable thing. That James Mangold, 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 Whatever. I believe. Man- James Mangold, Mangold. Mangold. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's an admiral thing that he attempted with with that. So, I'll give him that plus uh, right now. Yes, I I will I will say um, this film automatically gets one free star in addition to the automatic free star from having people being there that made it. Because (laughs) because in the first draft of the script, it says to any producer who was reading it, this is not just another CGI fuck fest. It said Mm -hmm. that in the script. I read the first page. I was like, this is this is great. Regardless of the quality of movie, this is fantastic. I love that. Yeah, that's a great start. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I think so. Okay. 
What's interesting about this film, and I think it's easier actually for me to work backwards. I'm gonna I'm mm-hmm. gonna raise like two or three points mm-hmm. that are really the negatives that I have with it. Then you let me know what you think about those, and then I want to hear some of your initial thoughts. So okay, when I think about Logan. For the most part, I really, really uh, enjoy it for a number of reasons. Um, Great negative. Yes. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm asked, oh, is this movie great? I don't know if I would say it's great. I think I would say it's very good. And then I think to myself, okay, why don't I think it's great? Why do I only think it's very good? And I, there's two, two to three issues that I think uh, result in that. One being the fact that there kind of is a CGI fuckfest ending. Mm-hmm. Um, not to get into much of the plot yet, but for a film that spends about 80% of it trying to be grounded and realistic in spite of the fact that you're dealing with mutants, the ending yeah. is here are all <laughs> these mutant children and like someone can bend twigs and another can like breathe ice or whatever. And it really, they, I think it really takes you out of the experience when those characters yeah. are introduced. Um, in addition to that, uh, and this is sort of a double point, the film doesn't really have an antagonist, like a proper antagonist, which I, I, okay. I get is kind of the point because yeah. the antagonist is his past self. He's trying to, outgrow Mm -hmm. that which is why he ends up fighting a younger cloned version of himself which i also think comes across Mm -hmm. as a little little hokey so i think those are really the two big negatives for me okay that's i think that's fair um i agree with with both of the things that uh that you've said i don't really have much to to add on to that i think we can maybe table the uh, the antagonist portion for a little bit later. I, I feel like that is something that's a little interesting um, and we can dissect it a bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with, with what you said. Excellent. All so, right, cool. Good episode. Fantastic. We're done. See ya. <laughs> yeah. um, so Raph, so I, I'm I'm generally I, I'm pretty I, I, I respond fairly positively to this film. I'm I'm curious having you having rewatched it, yeah. what your feelings are about it now. Okay. Um so I want I want to start in the beginning. I've been I've been dying to I don't know if I've told you this story, um, but I've been dying to, to tell this story because I think it's hilarious. But the first time I saw this movie was during its original theatric run mm-hmm. uh saw it with a couple of our buddies and dude this was maybe a top three bad theater experience for oh, me no. there was a row of teenagers right in front of us that literally would not stop talking throughout the entire movie just commentary the entire time awful jokes that weren't even funny and i think Part of the reason why I didn't respond so positively to this the first time around was because that theater experience was so bad. Um, and one one of our buddies who who, who I went with, uh, Jack, he he got up in the middle of the movie, and I thought he just left. I thought he just left the theater uh, because it was so bad. But he just went to the back 
and sat by himself because he he couldn't deal with the teenagers. <laughs> and they were like, it was like that group of that group of people who I thought so many times, like, I got to say something to them. Like, I need them to shut the fuck up. Uh, but I knew if I did say something, they would be the type of people to uh, to just like turn it back on me and like call me out for being an asshole. So like it didn't even seem worth it. Sure. But it was literally, it was nonstop. It was nonstop the entire movie. It was awful. It was, it was absolutely terrible. That could easily uh, taint a, yeah, a, a movie going experience for sure. That That's why Alamo it. is so fantastic. Yeah. Because you can just, which is, I, I don't know. The Alamo thing is kind of like, it's kind of like a prick move to just like you raise your, your order card and say like, those people are talking that, you know, it kind I of had feels that like happen to me good. once because I was laughing about a scene chuckling <laughs> really? with our, our esteemed colleague Fernando and somebody complained <laughs> about us laughing at the movie. And I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> were, you, were you like laughing at how bad something was? No, we were the, we were like laughing. Like it wasn't like you're previous. watching The Hangover and you're laughing. Yeah, no, I mean, it was okay i i don't want to derail the conversation it was a it was a in unbelievable so we saw hereditary and and the scene where the little girl loses her head we were so we were so disturbed by the intensity of that that all we could do yeah. was laugh about how crazy it was like a scene later so maybe yeah, it that's did a fair seem, response yeah maybe it did seem kind of disruptive but we were just responding to the movie we weren't even talking yeah. so <laughs> Anyway, sorry, not to derail that's the conversation. Fair. No, no, that's that, that that's a worthwhile uh, segue or not segue. That's a worthwhile whatever. Um, but rewatching this like halfway through while rewatching it at home, uh, they start doing construction outside. Oh my so, god! So like, I just can't catch a break when watching Logan. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think, in terms of just like my response to the movie, I think on a second watch, I did appreciate it a little more. Um, but there's still like, I, I, I couldn't figure out a way to put my finger on it. Um, and I think it might just be like a general disconnect between me and this movie and, and maybe just like the Wolverine, uh, character as a whole in terms of like how he's been portrayed in cinema, but I, I couldn't find myself like, find like fully getting invested in this story. And I think while a lot of this movie is super admirable, I do think that in order to appreciate it or in order to like fully love it or, or see it as a great movie, you do need to come into it with a pre-existing appreciation for the X-Men movies, for the standalone Wolverine movies, and just like for Hugh Jackman as Wolverine as a whole. Um, and if you don't have if you're not coming in with, with that sort of mindset of like loving those movies, or at least having some sort of connection to those movies, um, it's really, really hard to, to fully buy in on this one because it does feel like it's more so an ending to those than it is like a self-contained story. That, that I think an, that's my biggest problem with it. That that's an excellent point. So much of it feels like a love letter to fans of the franchise sort of like the movie about the character that they've always wanted and it's taken like eight or nine films to get to uh yeah because that's that's always been my biggest critique of you know a lot of superhero movies in general you know people beating the shit out of criminals or whatever but x-men specifically because your main character your protagonist 
uh, James Howlett, a.k.a. Logan, a.k.a. the Wolverine, he, his character, he murders people. That's, yeah, that's, that's what he does. He has these, he has claws that come out of his hands. And when he fights bad guys or whatever, he's, he's killing them. Um, and you know, just like a little scratch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so like, you know, you watch X-Men one or you watch X2 X-Men United, which I think most people consider to be the great X-Men film Mm -hmm. for, for a number of reasons. And, you know, you, you, after watching Logan, you rewatch scenes with him and you're just like, oh yeah, it's like, it's missing that. And, and it's fine because those movies like aren't about the brutality of that or really going into what it means to be that kind of a person or for that to be how you combat the evils in the world. Um, And I think there's one scene in particular that's, that's popping into my head. It, it, It might be my favorite scene in the film. And I think this sort of, in my mind, wraps up what the movie is about. Mm-hmm. It's when uh, Logan and Laura, his biologically cloned daughter, uh, when the two of them finally make it to North Dakota, so the, the, the all the other adolescent mutants or whatever. Yeah, the mutant babies. The mutant babies. Um, Logan is lying there recuperating, and Laura confronts him about an adamantium bullet that he's been carrying around Mm -hmm. and she says what's this for and he begins to lie saying oh it's a memento and then he admits just because he doesn't care anymore because he's so tired i was thinking of shooting myself with it and then he opens up a little bit more about having bad dreams she has bad dreams too she hurts people he says, you're going to have to learn to live with that. She says, but they were bad people. He says, all the same. I think it's, it, it is a fantastic representation of the character's own perspective uh, about himself and just in general a communication to the audience about who this character really is. He's, he's self-aware and for the first time is really vocal and conscious about it doesn't matter who these people are i killed them uh and yeah, I'm like killing is killing them. killing is killing exactly uh and that sort of ultimately feels like what the movie is about like he doesn't want to he doesn't want to do this anymore he never thought he was a hero that were sort of hinted at that like with the comic books which are kind of making fun actually of the other x-men movies like it yeah. didn't happen like this. People died. Like things were violent, yada, yada. Um, he never considers himself to be a hero. No, I think that like that whole concept is one of my favorite, if not the, like my one favorite thing about this movie, like the whole thing kind of feels like it's not just about him as a character and like his place in those previous X-Men movies. It's kind of more so just about um, like the whole like comic book movies as a whole, um, which I, I think it's, is, is cool. Like this movie can't exist without the history of comic book movies that existed before it. Like it is, 
a thousand percent a commentary on like how we view these movies and how we celebrate these characters without like taking into account you know the whole like idea of uh for example like the first avengers movie where they do like trillions of dollars worth of damage to manhattan and it's like okay cool like you save the day but like at what cost like yeah you know wolverine has saved the day in, in previous movies but like at what cost like what is the what's the, like the body count that that comes with that what's the what's the collateral damage that occurs in order for him to be seen by the rest of us as a hero and like we can't just sort of like whitewash that stuff and and ignore the fact that you know death does occur you know when when we're talking about these things and it's like not only something for for Wolverine and Logan to to reckon with as a character but it's something for like the whole industry um and the whole comic book genre to kind of reckon with in terms of like well like what what are the stories that we're telling and are we telling them as honestly as we as we can be um i just think that like that whole that whole concept and that whole bit is is like really cool and obviously not something that we've seen in any other superhero movie really absolutely that's an excellent point and when you realize that and you see this movie and you go back and watch, say, the first two X-Men films, I'm not even going to re- refer to the third one. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite one. <laughs> the Last Stand. Yeah. Um, they're almost more frustrating as a result of it because so much of the plot of two of those films are, you know, mutants are people too. They want to be accepted. The public hates them. Okay, well, why does the public hate them? Oh, okay, because they're different, because they can hurt people. But we never really see the consequences of that or the repercussions of that because they're PG-13 superhero movies and the X-Men have to save the day, you know? Um, So it it frustrates you because you're like, oh, if if an X-Men movie is about politics and, like, the rights of these people with abilities – that could be really interesting if we really see those issues and why that's that's happening but we don't in those and then we finally get it in this and it's more of a yeah. a, a character study and characterization of what that does rather than a you know a plot uh issue yeah. for our characters i it's like it's a blessing and a curse that that's the sort of like central crux of this movie because again you can't go into this without some like prior knowledge of the other x-men movies um but it it also is very much so a commentary on those other x-men movies um so like you you can't make you can't just like logan could not have just been a, a standalone movie or like the first in a series it had to come after everything else it had to. That's um, true. Yeah, there's just there. There's no other way to to make it. Um, but it's, I, I, I think it's, I think it's cool. Um, I think James Mangold, 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 James Mangold has uh, he he has some like interesting stuff to say and some interesting questions to ask uh, of like us as audience members about how we how we you know read these things uh but yeah it's just like it's a it's a double-edged sword i guess um 
you know, it's good and it's bad. It's, it's true. You, you know, that's actually a very good point. I hadn't considered that so much of the oomph of it is because it's like, and, and going into it, even when it was marketed the way, uh, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart, uh, talked about it prior to release, you knew that this was going to be their last outing. You knew Mm -hmm. this was the last, uh, hurrah for these two characters. And prior to, I guess, Avengers and Robert Downey Jr. or whatever, Hugh Jackman had the most appearances of, of this character across however many different movies i think he was in nine or like eight or something yeah yeah um so he had been like imagine like you're playing this character for i don't remember when logan came out was it 2016 17 17 i think yeah he so that's 17 years of of x-men movies exactly um but yeah no i was just gonna say like it is it's very much so like a final chapter which also like prior to this we didn't really get in comic book movies or superhero movies like you have the Raimi trilogy but there's still room for for you know a spider-man 4 uh after what happens in 3 whereas like this is very much so okay this is the end of the line for this particular character played by this actor in this franchise like that's it we're putting it to bed it's done after this until Kevin Feige revives him in, in you know, uh, Doctor Strange 4, uh, Wanda goes to, I don't know, X whatever it's called. Mrs. Wanda goes to Washington. Yeah. Um, I so, you bring that up. I so, 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 so hope that Hugh sticks to his guns, his James guns, and doesn't... <laughs> doesn't regardless of whatever blank check faggy writes for him does not come into the mcu as logan again because he you know this film in terms of his legacy as the character the character that made him famous essentially as far as i'm concerned Mm -hmm. it's the it is the perfect ending for him both as a character and as an actor in that role yeah, it's the it's the perfect send off, and it's like uh, it's it's kind of not to go back to this movie, but I'm going to go back to it for for a quick second. But it's like the uh, the Spider Man, please, Lord, help me find a way home, <laughs> sort of conundrum of of like, okay, we have Logan, we have this movie, we have this beautiful ending to this character as portrayed by Hugh Jackman. We all love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. We we can pretty much all agree on that that he's been he was great as as Logan. Um, if you were to bring him back in the MCU, it completely erases any sort of significance that this movie has in terms of being an ending. It just wipes that all away, and we can forget about you know the the beautiful. Uh, you know, uh, symbolism of of Logan and and Hugh Jackman's career as Logan dying with this movie. Ab- absolutely. Um, I think that's what's so frustrating. Uh, not to once again go back to <laughs> please. There's no way out, but let me escape, Spider Man. 
that's what's so frustrating about the inclusion of Tobey Maguire. Uh, let's let's uh, you know, I love Andrew Garfield, um, but let's you know, the real excitement is the Raimi characters showing up. I think for a lot of people, everybody lost their minds. Whatever. What's yeah. so aggravating about that is they're not; those aren't the characters from the movies that we grew up with and love there. It's like, it's a different universe. They might as well just be different people. Um, because that's not what happens in the films. We love goblin dies. Doc yeah. Ock saves the city by dying with the solar flare or whatever. Like it's disrespectful to those stories and like, yeah. and the, and the character arcs that we, that we get from those stories. So it would, yeah, it would just be the same thing with, uh, with Hugh Jackman. Like, would it be cool to see him as Logan again? Yeah, sure. But we don't need that because we, we got the ending to a story and, you know, stories are, are meant to end. Like stories have beginnings, middles and ends. And it's okay to let a story end. Um, you, you, you might and that's friend. the beautiful thing about about this movie because it it dares it dares to have an ending. What a wild concept! Even like you you raise an, an excellent point, and I think I, I have two things to say about that. One, I think that's the biggest issue with film, or at least popular film and media these mm-hmm. days, is that. Everything is open-ended. Everything's a universe. Everything's connected. Everything has a sequel. Nobody's really dead. Yada, yada, yada. All this shit. Nothing has an end. Even, you even think about, like, when you think about what people consider to be the greatest superheroes of all time, like a lot of people say, oh, the Dark Knight trilogy. I, I'm kind of iffy on that. That's not what this episode is about. But regardless, mm-hmm. even think about that. That's open-ended. The, tr- the, the final film of that, like, Bruce yeah. Wayne is still alive. Robin is now Batman. It's open-ended. <laughs> he doesn't die. Your one big critique of that movie is have the balls to kill Bruce Wayne. They should have. It would have meant so much more if he actually did. This movie had the balls. Yeah. This is the, this is the one example. In, and it's crazy to think, like, there are – we could – Obviously, there there are superhero movies that came out prior to to two thousand, but essentially the genre, like you know, for for all intents and purposes, started in at the turn of the century. Like it started in two thousand with that X with that first X Men movie. In the twenty plus years that we've been living with this genre as we know it today, there aren't any movies that provide us a a real ending for a character. For a particular story, except for Logan. And like, that's bonkers. There are, there are like 15 comic book movies that come out a year. And this is the only one with an ending, with a proper ending. Right. And I know there, there will be, there will be armchair fans out there that'd be like, oh, well, Avengers Endgame, it's the end of Tony and it's the end of Captain America. No, 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 it's not. (laughs) You, you introduce a multiverse Everybody can come back. Everybody's still alive. There's another version of everyone. Yada yada yada. It's 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 just it's just not. Uh, I don't care that Iron Man dies. We'll see Robert Downey Jr. again. We'll see another version of him in Avengers Seven, where they need Stark tech from an alternate universe 
where yeah. Tony doesn't have a goatee or whatever bullshit. <laughs> when when Chris Evans realizes that he can't act and he needs that check from Marvel, he'll, he'll <laughs> right, be back. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, but back to Logan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but you're you're absolutely right. It is really the only superhero film that has a definitive ending with killing off our protagonist and our yeah. our uh, our secondary protagonist as well patrick stewart as uh xavier he you know this was a big finito for him as well um yeah and you know they it it even though they like made other x-men films after this it's like it's not it's it, it's not the same as as from where it started like logan was the final book in this series that began in 2000 with x-men yeah um 100 percent. i was gonna say if we want to dig into to like some deets of the movie i feel like the the scene where uh professor x dies is is just beautiful um i feel like that was something that was kind of lost on me the first time around uh but this time i was just like in complete awe of how it plays out like his final his final uh monologue about you know that being the the best night that he's had in a, in a very long while um and like the camera is slowly zooming in on his face as he's delivering the monologue and then it cuts to you know to to cyborg logan and then cuts back to, to charles and he's like logan what are you doing and then just boom just the the claws in the chest just <clears throat> right that shit was spicy that's I, something that i can appreciate i love I, I love that as well and the the result of that happening i love how messy that whole sequence is and when i say messy i mean like mm -hmm. there's so much happening like laura's being carried away actual logan is there he doesn't know what to do do i go up and 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 see what happened to charles do i chase after this copy of me that's carrying my daughter the uh, the family that just housed us is all dead like what the yeah. hell do i do i go oh my god charles is dying he thinks it was me there's no he doesn't have a clear like a a, a nice goodbye scene with him he just yeah. he dies charles just dies um very possibly thinking that it was logan who stabbed him it's it's horrible yeah um and you know again, he, that's just balls like yeah. this movie has has the balls to go there it has the cojones to you know to actually show like oh if you're a superhero or you know if you have these incredible powers uh even when you are you know trying trying to help like there's collateral damage this innocent family gets brutally slaughtered within their own home right just because they happen to invite you know charles and logan and laura into their home for dinner like that's sad that's sad as hell that you know but that's how things would play out right. if there were uh you know if there were these superhumans living among us in in the real world like that's that's how shit would go down you'd one minute you're having you're having a very nice dinner with these lovely people next minute you know there's a cyborg uh you know 
slashing up your son and throwing you down the stairs. Like, right. that's wild. Yeah, don't let Patrick Stewart or Hugh Jackman or Daphne Keene into your house. Just don't do it. No, don't um, let anyone into your house. I would never invite strangers over for dinner. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> funny. Last time I watched that, uh, that thought popped into my head. I was like, oh, they're just kind of inviting these white folks over. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen enough... Them. I've seen too many movies. I I know if you're if you're just like a nice family, is that something that people in like the Midwest do? Do they just invite strangers into their homes for dinner? I I doubt it. I I guess they were trying to play the angle. Oh, it's there's an old man and a young girl, and they just help them with their horses, so they trust them or whatever. I guess. Yeah, I I would not. I would say thanks for the thanks for the help with the horses. Yeah, Toodles. or like, like well, let ya. me buy you, let me buy you a meal. We're gonna go to McDonald's. Like, we're not going. Yeah, to <laughs> yeah you're not coming into, you're not coming into my home. Yeah, no I strangers in my home. Yeah, <laughs> especially not for dinner. Then you have to, you have to like cook extra food for them. That's food that you and your family could have been eating. And it's just, <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole thing. No thanks, <laughs> not for me. It's funny. The the more we talk about that sequence with the family, the more I think it actually might be my favorite chunk of the film just because of mm. how much is happening and, and all the layers to it. Like I'm, I, I think about this detail a lot. Like when the husband of the family drives his car, his truck rather into cyborg Logan turns around, sees real Logan, doesn't know what the hell is happening, yeah. raises his <laughs> shotgun towards him. And Logan, Logan doesn't say anything. He doesn't protest. He just stands there accepting the bullet that ultimately doesn't yeah. come because he's out of ammo but it's just it's so fantastic because a he wants to die b he knows he's not going to and c he's just like i know i brought this on you just go ahead and fire without any yeah. dialogue all of that he comes told, through he totally understands where the dude is coming from there's no yeah the whole like no protesting thing is is perfect uh because typically in a movie you know he would uh in some other comic book movie, he would he would be able to talk the guy down. You know, it wasn't me; it was a cyborg version of me. They made him in a lab. You know, you got to trust me. Blah blah blah, all that good stuff. But no, he's just like he just gives a look, and it's it's all he says it all with with just his face of yeah, I I understand why you are as angry as you are, and, and why you would want to pull the trigger on me. And you know, I'm not going to try to stop you from from doing that. It's a, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic moment. Um, and then the the husband dies. And once again, like like his and everyone he's ever known, he outlives everyone he cares about once again, even though he doesn't want to. Yeah, it's terribly sad. This is a very heavy movie. It's a lot heavier than any other comic book oh, movie because it actually deals with consequences like the consequences of of his actions they're they're real and they're they're real stakes involved including people's lives and livelihood right it it this film it deals with so many dark and mature uh ideas and aspects like this movie is about growing old this movie is about it's about dying it's about depression it's about illness uh, yeah. you know, it, it's about having, feeling like you have no purpose and no use and just like waiting to die. That's, that's ultimately what he's 
what he's he's waiting for and what he wants to happen. That's the whole purpose of the plot with the Sunseeker is he wants to take Charles out onto the sea where he can't hurt anyone. He wants to wait for Charles to die and then he's going to shoot himself. That is his intention throughout the entire film. It is horrible. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. That yeah, that's that's some heavy shit. That is some heavy shit. Um but yeah, I mean that kind of goes back to one of your original points that this movie isn't just rated R so that we can see uh Wolverine s- stab someone through the bottom of their face with one of his claws like this movie's rated R. Detail. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will say though, like all of that stuff is, is pretty rad. <laughs> it is. It <laughs> like, is so awesome because not only is it done well, but everything is designed in such a way to be like, Oh, this is like every time something like that happens, it's like, this is what you've been missing. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's so great. Um, but that like, that's not the reason why this movie is, is rated R it's rated R because like, Okay, we want to James Mangold wants to explore some serious shit and he can only explore that serious shit um if the movie is is rated R. And it just so it just just so happens to help that we get to see, you know, Logan chopping someone's arm off with his claws. Right. And like that opening scene is just <laughs> and and putting himself in front of the car because he doesn't want his car damaged. He'd rather get shot with a shotgun than let the, the door of his limousine get damaged. Not again. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that opening scene sets it up, sets it all up perfectly. It's just Absolutely. like, you know, this is not your, this is not your pappy's X-Men movie. The very We're- first line of dialogue is him saying, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It is. Um, so something great. else to note as well, I think, and this is all all great, uh, heavy tone, serious films have this. There's mm-hmm. a lot of humor in this movie as well. Um, mm-hmm. Within the, the, you know, the, the, the dark and mature aspects to it, like him, him screaming, not the car and throwing his body in front of <laughs> Buckshot is funny (laughs) like that is funny um laura and him wrestling over a bag and him like looking down at her confused before he knows she's a mutant and being and just with a look he's like wow she's really strong that's funny (laughs) (laughs) professor x sticking his tongue out to be like look i swallowed my pills Uh, that's hilarious (laughs) yeah even like even him when he first gets his glasses and he's he's reading his phone with the glasses like tilted down at the bottom of his nose with the tag still on like that's hilarious it is it's very it is it's very funny um my favorite one of my favorite lines in this movie is when laura finally starts speaking she speaks spanish to him and then he says like oh i'm not going to take you to north dakota uh, and she just keeps repeating the names of all the other kids yeah. that they want to find. And she just keeps talking and talking. And he goes, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's, it's, am- it's, amazing. it's amazing. It's amazing. It's, in- it's incredible. Um, dude, what was I going to say? Oh, just on the topic of like scenes that are rad. Uh, the scene where we like, you finally get the reveal of 
of Laura being a mutant. Um, that that whole scene at their at their like hideout spot with the uh, they're not soldiers; they're the the muscle for the yeah. tech company that's building those kids. Right. Um, where you like it, it, it's perfectly done. All it, it's from the perspective of like outside after those mean dudes go in. And, you know, they're going to try to take her and you hear like a couple of faint screams and some gunshots. And then she just walks out and you think it's her bag that's under her arm <laughs> <laughs> and you still don't really know what's going on. And then she just rolls the dude's head out You're like, oh, fuck, this little girl means fucking yeah. business. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's, um, yes, it's very what what's so great about it is that you can see. And not in a negative way. You can see the choices that Mangold made with the construction mm-hmm. of that sequence. He like builds it up. Each each moment is like building towards the next, building towards the next. Tension, tension, tension. Tension's released. And when that tension releases, holy shit, she's a mutant. She has claws. Not only is that new for the audience, that's new for our protagonist as well. And it's just yeah. it's wonderfully crafted and created. It's, I mean, it's the same with her speaking because, I mean, she doesn't speak until like an hour 20 or so into the movie. Mm-hmm. And we're, again, we're in the same boat as our protagonist. Like, oh, we don't think that this little girl can talk. We just think that she's, you know, this, this crazy, you know, rage filled little monster. Um, but nope, she, <laughs> she can speak and, you know, the same way that Logan thinks like, Oh, this would have been super helpful, you know, 50 minutes ago as an audience <laughs> member, you're, you're thinking, yeah, that would have been really, really cool to know that this little girl also can, can speak, even if it is, you know, mostly Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would she, why does she have a Spanish accent, but none of the other mutant kids have a Spanish accent? I, I don't know. That was a, a, a weird thing that I didn't want to like, uh, I didn't want to harp on that. I didn't want to stay too long with that, but it's just, it's just know. a thing, whatever. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a thing. They're, they're all Mexican, but like the other kids have English accents. And I guess like one of them's British her. a little bit. It's yeah. It's yeah. like, whatever. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. They're mutants, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. They're mutants. Yeah. Right. Here, here here's some grass bending. <laughs> yeah. That was such a weird, but, or yeah, the one mutant girl who like can bend like bark or wood. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, sticks a bunch of wood in a guy and blows him up. <laughs> at, at that point in the movie, it did feel a little gratuitous. Like, okay, we're making an R-rated X-Men movie, yeah. so here's a kid, you know, f- freezing some dude's arm and then and then chopping it off, and it's like a, a bloody, icy, you know, gore mess. Like, that, towards the end, it felt sort of gratuitous, but for the most part, it's it's all done with intention and with purpose so like it kind of gets a pass that in the final act they kind of go balls to the wall with it but it's still a blockbuster movie that like needs to sell tickets at the end of the day so there there has to be a big climax with a lot of characters and a lot of cgi and they're you know it's oh they're they're mute he's saving a bunch of mutants they all have powers so like it's it seems like it's a, a necessary evil yeah just like um, while we're here, we we may as well just you know, yeah. Let these let these kids throw tree bark into some dude's face until it explodes. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> we, we've um, got the budget. We, we have all this leftover funds, you know. I have to say the, the, th- the, the thematic ideas behind Logan's clone daughter shooting a clone of him representing his past self with a bullet that was meant for him is mm-hmm. just very juicy and delicious to me. Yeah. I did I did dig that. Um dude, good good time to come back to that point that you made earlier about the the cyborg clone Logan um character and like kind of what he stands for cuz I did find that like super interesting that he is literally fighting himself and his and his past demons. Right. Um like the whole yeah. It I get how it can feel sort of hokey like you said, but I think for the most part, it's done pretty well. Um, and they don't over, it's not overdone. So it never feels like, it never feels tired at any point. Um, sure, it all makes sure. sense within, with like within the construct of the, of the movie that they are making. I, I don't mind it purely because of like what you said of what it represents. It, it is very, it was originally going to be Sabretooth. Liam mm-hmm. Schreiber was going to reprise the role in an early draft. <laughs> That would that would have been so bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they didn't uh, go with it because it's just like this movie's not about his rivalry with Sabretooth. It's just not. No. Um, it's all about him. It's all about his past. It's all about his misdeeds and how he's trying to do some rights now as opposed to some wrongs. Um, so having that as a representation you you know if you're watching it in a certain mindset it's almost it, you know it's it's almost not like he's even really fighting a clone of himself you know he's putting the past to bed he's he's not that person anymore and it's literally represented in terms of his physical obstacle at the end and it's interesting that the representation of him at a young violent age is what kills him that it it's it's cool that he that that clone version of himself is just like this mindless um this like mindless just killing machine that's operating in the sole function for this other organization and he really has no like say or, or agency um in terms of like what he does or why he kills or anything like that like that's also if you if you're taking that as like old logan or previous logan rather um, from like the the earlier X Men movies, like that's that's essentially what what his character was, right? Like he was just he was operating within the X Men, but it was never it was never something that he fully believed in. He was just sort of blindly taking orders and and doing uh, what Professor X and the other you know X Men leaders told him to do. Exactly, that's true. Very interesting uh, point, and that yeah, that's actually neat. I never I never realized that. That's that's a nice tidbit. Um. So Raph, um, yeah, talk to me. We've actually we've been extremely positive about this. Yeah, uh, talk to me a little bit about what doesn't work for you in the film, mm-hmm. and then I want to hear ultimately what you would rate it and what you would, yeah, if you would recommend it. Um, it it is weird because we have been kind of like glowing about this movie, um, for the for the most part in this episode and. In terms of like what I didn't like about it, there aren't too many specifics. 
that I could find, um, you know, while I was rewatching it for these purposes, um, part of the exercise for me was to like, was to try to figure out, you know, why I didn't like it the first time around. If maybe I was a little too, um, too critical of it. If the, if the kids talking in front of me, uh, factored into me not liking it. Um, but I think what it really boils down to is me not, while I, like I like those earlier X-Men movies, like I really dig X-Men 1 and X-Men 2. Um, I've always like dug Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, I, I've never had any real connection to them or to him as the character. So like ultimately while I can enjoy what this movie is, is looking to get at, um, you know, the story that it's trying to tell the, the commentary that it's trying to make on the previous movies and, and all of that. Um, I just couldn't f- find myself getting fully invested. Um, and I, I think that's all it comes down to. Like, it, it's not so much that I think this movie is bad. It's just that I don't vibe with this movie, which is, that's like not a real critique, but that's, all that I have. <laughs> no, that's, I think that's well said. And it's interesting that there are films out there that, you know, aren't, you know, aren't necessarily poorly made, but they'll just jive with some people and they won't with others. And this is a yeah. very interesting example being as you have to be a fan of the character for it to carry as much weight as it's intending to. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just like a weird concept. Like imagine not liking a movie just because, you know, it's not for you. Like, right. <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't have to be bad. You right. know? <laughs> no, it's true. Um, uh, but yeah. yeah. What, what are your, what are your final thoughts? <laughs> um, or- my ultimately, um, I really, really like the film. I was going back and forth in terms of how I would rate it. Because as I said, when we started, I was like, would I say it's a great film? I don't know if I could say it's a great film um Mm -hmm. it's certainly not better than spider-man 2 for example if we're thinking about like the best superhero movies ever made but i i think it deserves an honorable mention just because as we've said it there's nothing like it and it tells Mm -hmm. a real genuine story about the consequences of things and as logan says in the real world people die and i just think it has such a gritty western feel to it and it's yeah. messy it's violent it's mature it's dark i don't think i dug the the western vibes i think it, that's another thing that yeah it was like trying too hard to be a western i've never seen shane i think that's a movie that they're playing in the yes. uh in the hotel room um i've never seen it but i, I obviously this movie is like very much so inspired by that um to the point where they have to show you characters watching it with within the movie um it's like okay if that's what you want to do like just like just make that movie like don't beat us over the head with the fact that (laughs) this is an homage to that and also it's it's in the west because i don't know i i I guess part of it is also like the the whole like new york cosmopolitan central aspect of comic book stories and comic book movies uh so they're like let's take it to real america um but like it, I, 
it, it felt like it was like relying too heavily on like this is a, a western superhero right. movie isn't that isn't that neat so maybe that's one thing that i that i didn't fully no that's, dig or that's, thought that's was an excellent bad. point that's an excellent point um something interesting to note and then then i'll wrap up my thought is that james mangled also made the wolverine um which is interesting it's certainly not as good as this uh which one is that is that when he's in japan he goes to japan yes okay um that feels like it's interesting watching that and this movie because that feels like so much of what he wants to do and that is toned down because it's not rated r Mm -hmm. um and also the third act is is terrible (laughs) but the hijinks of him in japan is is really interesting but this logan really feels like the film the wolverine film that james mangled always wanted to make Mm -hmm. um and i think i think in terms of the negatives like i said i'm just gonna gonna repeat what i've already said i think that the mutant children and the cgi heaviness of the ending kind of taints everything that comes before it uh i think that even without having an issue with the main threat being a clone of him there's no like clear antagonist it's supposed to be himself but like boyd holbrook's character like is just a guy and striker's son is like he's the the doctor or the robot arm guy it's the robot i thought that was a i thought that was a scars guard for some reason (laughs) he said they all do look alike (laughs) um yeah like why do they have a robot hand like why do they have robot enhancements like who cares um i I feel like Stephen E. Merchant's character uh, is is a little bit wasted. Um, he's like purely there so that they can track them at one point, and then oh he, yeah, and then he blows up or whatever. Uh, so he feels a little wasted. Um, but you know, ultimately, the light, I I don't have too many negatives to say about it. I think that I think if I'm being like completely fair and not letting my love for Hugh Jackman and the character and the overall gritty nature of the film cloud my mind, I think I'd give this film a very, very, very solid 3.5 out of 5. Mm. I think that is my score. I want to give it the 4, but I I can't in good conscience. Dude, give it the 4. Nah, 3.75 3.75 out of 4. Out of 5. We'll, we'll round it up. <laughs> That's a four. That's a four. 3.9 out of five. So (laughs) (laughs) 4.3. Just keep going up. Uh, I would, I would recommend this film. I would, Mm -hmm. a lot will be lost if you haven't seen the other ones, just in terms of, you know, emotional depth, but I I would recommend it. Raph, how about you? Yeah. Um, I think my final rating for this, um, I think I'm at like a three out of five. Mm-hmm. just because I, I do i really like the space that it's operating within um i think it's a cool take on comic book movies um i think that like because we're so like oversaturated with them um it's nice to see it's nice to see one that um that chooses to to kind of say something about them and not just sort of do the same copy and paste that we that we see 
so much within the genre. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't fully connect with it. So I give it a three. You know, that it's like a good job, James Mangold, but uh, but you know, I'm not, I'm not fully there with you. In terms of recommending it, I think that's like a really interesting question because like would i recommend this movie to just like the average film goer like probably um i think if you're someone who who has watched or like kind of digs like any comic book movies uh you can enjoy this just because um it is doing something different uh but if you're like not a comic book movie person there's really nothing here for you um, so I don't know if I would fully recommend it to like, I don't know if I would recommend it to my girlfriend, like, sure. like what the hell is she going to get out of this? Right. Right. It's like a love letter to comic book movie fans being like, look what you could always get if we yeah. didn't care only about money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very well said. Interesting. Raph, nice. this was a lovely discussion. Dude, I'm glad we finally combo. got to do this film. Who the yeah. hell are you? Where can we find you? Dude. I am the hell Raph Stitt at at Raph Stitt on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, also on Letterboxd reviewing movies and making lists. Um, yeah, man, at Raph Stitt, all one word, R-A-F-S-T-I-T-T. Michael, who the hell are you? Dude, I am Michael the hell Romeo the hell Rocco. You can find me. <laughs> On Instagram at Michael underscore Romeo underscore Rocco underscore. That's R-E-O-C-C-O. Michael Romeo Rocco underscores in between and at the end. You can find me on the Hinstas posting memes that aren't mine and pictures of Barada I didn't make. Uh, you can also find me on Letterboxd as well and Twitter at Michael underscore Rocco. Uh, Raph, who are we both and where are we both found? Dog, we are the at straight to DVD pod. Uh, that's the number two. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Straight to DVD Pod. Um, yeah, you can check us out there. You can also check us out wherever you listen to podcasts: Spotify, Apple, Google Play. You're probably on one of those right now. If you're there, if you dig what you hear, if you like hearing conversations from us, you can give us a little rating, a little review. It uh, it helps your friends find the show and all that good stuff. Right. I think that's it. Fantastic. Right? Thank you so much. This was a lovely discussion, yeah, a film I'm surprised we hadn't done yet. Yeah, what dude. a treat. Appreciate it. All right, dog. Ladies right. and gentlemen, we will be back again at some point next time in the future. <laughs> dude, days of future past. Oh, Lord. We're not actually talking about that movie. But, I hope not. You know, it's X-Men fine, reference. I guess. Is it yeah. fine? It's fine. I don't know. Whatever. All right. All right. Later. Later.